Shavua Tov, everybody. Today we have perhaps the shortest chapter of Tanakh that we have had so far, Yeshayahu, chapter 12. It consists of only six verses, and what's more, as many listeners will recognize, we know at least two of them. Va'amalta Hahu, and you shall say on that day. Odcha Hashem ki anaftabi yashav apacha v'tanchameni. I will thank you, God, because although you were angry with me, your wrath has turned back and you comfort me. Hine el Yeshuati eftach velo efchad ki ozi v'zimratia adonai v'hili shua. Behold, the God who gives me triumph. I am confident. I am unafraid. For you, God, are my strength and my might, and have been my deliverance. You shall draw water with joy from the fountains of triumph. And you shall say on that day, Praise God, call out in his name. Make his deeds known amongst the people. Hazkiru, make him known. Kinisgav Shomor, because his name is exalted. Zamru Hashem, cry out to God. Sing to him. Kigaot Hasa, because he has done gloriously. Mudat Zot Bechol Haaretz, let this be known in the whole world. Sahali Verina, Verani, Veroni. Shout for joy, Yoshevet Zion, you who dwell in Zion, Kigadol Bekirbecha, Kadosh Israel, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Six verses, that is the whole chapter. In the Middle Ages, the Talmudim, the students of Rashi, selected verses two and three from our chapter to make up the opening lines that introduce Havdalah as Shabbat is bade farewell to every week. What is it that the students of Rashi saw in these verses of all of the many thousands of verses that they could have chosen to place at the intersection between the holiest day, the day of our ultimate rest and connection with God, and the return to the mundane week. Well, I'd like to take the opportunity to answer this question by in part responding to the previous recording, which we have heard, Kalev Bendor's fascinating, profound as ever erudite piece on chapter 11. Perek Yud Aleph, Kalev, taught us, contains within it this astonishing vision of a peace to come at the end of days of the calf with the beast of prey and a little boy to lead them. And Kalev spoke of this as the prophetic vision of peace and contrasted it in its loftiness and its ambition, in its totalizing scheme, with the more pragmatic 
reality-based sense that Chazal, the rabbis, had not of shalom, but of dalkei shalom, the ways of peace. And Kalev was erudite as ever and taught us the great Israeli political scholar, philosopher, Aviezer Rabitsky. He spoke of Amos Oz, he spoke of Shakespeare, he spoke of Chekhov, a great joke as well, was told as well. But of course, I think if you were listening to Kalev, the winner in the debate, the contrast between the two modes of peace, the lofty vaulting messianic one and the mundane, partial, imperfect rabbinic one was, of course, the latter. It is that one that Kalev suggested lies at the key to solving the intractable disputes of this world, whether it be the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or anything else, the Chekhovian tragedy in which no one is satisfied, but we are all at least still alive. And Kalev posited as a question, what happens to the prophetic Isaiah chapter 11 version of peace? Well, if you were paying attention as I read the chapter, of course, you would have noticed that chapter 12 is the direct continuation of chapter 11. A number of times, the phrase, Bayom hahu, on that day, is mentioned, you shall say on that day, or Dachah Hashem, I will give praise to God, clearly continuing the that day from the previous chapter that day when peace has come. And I would like to suggest that actually, not quite contra Kalev, but at least in addition to what Kalev said, Yeshayahu's version of what is peace is profoundly relevant in an everyday sense. It is not just the preserve of those dreaming of a perfect messianic end, but is actually critically important for all of us. Because we always have to ask when reading Navi, what is the opposite of what the prophet is saying? What is it that the people would otherwise be thinking? And the opposite of this glorious lofty vision, which Ishayahu has presented us in chapters 11 and 12, is a reality of despair, of being mired in the darkness, the misery of this world. And to lift people out of misery and the brutality of their existence, it is not always enough to talk in short-term, pragmatic terms. Rather, there is the need to present them with an inspiring vision, a great light promising them that better times will arrive. Kalev loves, and for those who don't know, Kalev has been a dear friend of mine for a decade and a half at this stage. I consider him not just a friend, but a teacher. We first met when he was my madrich in B'nai Akiva. Kalev frequently speaks in his recordings, extremely articulately, of the application of the Tanakh to contemporary Israel and Israel's problems and difficulties. But if we were to take a longer historical moment, if we are to take a longer historical moment, our situation today is so much better than it has been in previous time. Arguably, the darkest moment or one of the darkest moments of Jewish history 
would have been the Middle Ages. In Ashkenaz, in Northern Europe, communities ravaged and destroyed by the Crusades. It was a time when it would be quite understandable for Jewish communities to give up, to convert, or at least despair of there ever being a brighter light. So much of Rashi's great work should be understood in this light. Rashi's famous commentary to Shir Hashirim, understanding this beautiful story of a love between a young man and a young woman, actually as an extended metaphor of Jewish history and the relationship between God and Israel, is part of his educational agenda to give his people hope and encouragement. And perhaps the students of Rashi, when thinking of how they were going to be able to help their community transition from the day of Shabbat, this day of comfort, this day of beauty, back to the trials and tribulations of the week, wished to lift them up with an elevating, beautiful message. And they chose the verses from our chapter, Yeshayahu chapter 12, in order to do that, because they knew that the opposite of the lofty vaulting vision of peace is not just the pragmatic version of peace, but it is difficulty, it is despair. And in fact, so powerful was that message that it was adopted all over the world. Wishing everybody a Shavuot of.